Welcome to the JPR Group Podcast, brought to you by the JPR Group of Baird Private Wealth Management. We're dedicated to bringing our clients, colleagues, and centers of influence the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and information to keep you informed and confident. Also, listen in on conversations with industry leaders and interesting people from around the country that are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the JPR Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the JPR Group Advisor Roundtable. I'm Andrew Boyles, and we're so thankful that you're taking a few moments out of your day to spend here with us. Our Advisor Roundtable series is a monthly publication meant to provide some context and information about what we've seen in the markets lately. So today on the show with us, we have Josh Marson from the JPR Group. Josh is a certified investment management analyst. We also have Maggie Savage. Maggie is a research analyst and chartered financial analyst with the same group of Baird's. Sam stands for the Specialized Asset Management Group, and they are a solution for high net worth clients. And Maggie has over 10 years of experience in the investment industry, uh, with some of that being in institutional equity and research. And she's also a graduate from Marquette University. So Maggie, thanks for being on the show with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. And Josh, you head up our investment platforms and, and do a lot of the due diligence and research for uh, what we offer to clients at the JPR Group. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you uh, talk with Maggie about what we've seen in the markets lately. Great. Thank you, Andrew. And, and once again, Maggie, uh, as Andrew said, from our team to you, thanks for, for jumping on with us and thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day. Um, we'll jump right in. We, we have a few questions. We'll start with some of the economics and finances and then drop into uh, the same group. But as we begin, the first, the first question I'd have, Maggie, is as we move into 2021, um, would you mind to elaborate on the potential of market rotation, which we're, we're starting to see some of from growth to value slash cyclicals? And the second part of that question would be, for the investors out there, why does that actually take place? Sure. Yeah, definitely happy happy to elaborate on that. Um, I think it's helpful to maybe start and take a look back at what happened in 2020. So um, obviously, we all know that, you know, we experienced a very sharp recession in 2020. It was, you know, particularly violent. Um, I would say it was, it was a lot quicker than other recessions we've experienced in the past. But, you know, when that happens, um, and growth is basically non-existent or very scarce, I think it makes sense conceptually that any companies that have company-specific growth stories or industries with tailwinds that can help them grow throughout a period like that, you know, should be rewarded with strong market performance in their stocks. Um, so I think when we when we look back to 2020, there, there are plenty of companies and industries that were actually able to grow through the challenging COVID pandemic. Um, you know, thinking about technology companies that were enabling kind of the digital transformation that was accelerated, you know, for both businesses and consumers throughout the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, a lot of healthcare companies were able to grow as they, you know, either came up with a COVID response for testing or vaccine development. Um, you know, and I think e-commerce or, you know, kind of omni-channel retailers are another bucket of potential kind of COVID winners that their businesses maybe were made stronger throughout COVID. Um, so when we take a step back and think about some of those big buckets, whether it's technology, healthcare, consumer, those are a big piece of the growth index. 
Um, and so last year we saw, as you mentioned, you know, growth materially outperform value, you know, by more than 35%. Um, what we, what we started to see happen in the second half of last year was obviously we kind of had the recovery off the COVID bottom, the sharp, you know, V in the economy that we saw. Um, and then with, with the vaccine announcements in the fourth quarter, that was kind of the catalyst, you know, kind of the gunshot went off for this rotation. And I think, you know, the medical response to the medical problem really allowed the market to see the other side of this COVID pandemic. And we know markets are forward looking. And so it, it did start to price in that recovery and that, you know, normalization kind of right away. So we did, we have experienced, you know, since I, I, that kind of November timeframe, there has been a notable shift in the market in favor of much more cyclical or economically sensitive parts of the market at, as we can kind of see the, the other side of this COVID pandemic. Um, you know, I think energy is kind of a perfect example to use here because that was the worst performer in 2020, um, you know, down over 30% and it's conversely the best performer in 2021, um, you know, up more than 20%. And that that's kind of representative of, of the shift that we've seen. Um, you know, I think the question, the next question is how sustainable is this shift um, or how durable, you know, there have been periods throughout the past you know, 10 years where values had a, had a quick run, but only to give back to growth um, outperformance over a longer term time period. Um, you know, it, it's tough to say how sustainable this is. I think it makes sense that some of the laggards from 2020 are catching up and rebounding. Um, but I do think at some point, the conversation is going to turn back to fundamentals and investors are going to, again, refocus on which companies, you know, maybe got better through COVID, whether that's a better long-term growth trajectory, you know, better profitability, more sustainable competitive positioning, et cetera. Um, you know, and I think that conversation will, will maybe normalize this, this performance a little bit. Um, you know, I think it also speaks to why you want to have a diversified portfolio. Um, we try to have it exposure kind of to the broad market. We don't want to get over our skis in growth or in value, because I do think it is going to be very hard to time when these, you know, cyclical shifts or underlying market churns kind of happen. So I think it's important to, you know, have broad exposure there from a diversification and hopefully, you know, maybe volatility reducing perspective. Great. Thank you for that. Um, let's stick into the, stay in the equity space area. Considering current market valuation levels, would you mind to elaborate on the areas within the global markets where Sam is seeing valuation opportunities or where there's opportunities where valuations aren't as high as they are maybe in the growth sector of the U.S.? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just given, given the backdrop that I just, you know, kind of outlined um, where we think we are in the early days of the next economic expansion, which are typically durable multi-year type, you know, um, periods of economic growth. We, we did make some changes to our portfolio over the past six months to align with that view. Um, I guess what that looked like was starting last year, we did, you know, remove some capital from the more defensive pockets of the market as, as the view on the economy became a little bit clearer in favor of adding to some of those cyclical areas. Um, you know, I think um, we, we leaned a little bit heavier into that trade early in the year. Um, specifically, we added emerging market exposure into our portfolio. And then we also added to areas like rate sensitive financials as we saw firming in, in interest rates late in 2020. And that's obviously only continued 
Um, and then we did add, you know, energy exposure to our portfolio, just, just given that more reopening um, kind of outlook. Um, and then I would say we do own a handful of companies that are going to uniquely benefit from the COVID reopening, whether that's, um, you know, a resumption of travel, you know, retail, you know, maybe potential restaurant, et cetera. We, we have added opportunistically over the past six months to those areas of the market that, you know, we're definitely being overlooked for a time um, in favor of stocks that were benefiting from COVID. Um, so I think that that's kind of where we have leaned in. Um, you know, we're focused on owning high quality companies. Um, and so are always looking with that lens, but that's been some of the more attractive or more interesting areas that we found opp opportunity over the past, you know, couple of months. Great. To your, to your point on rates, with respect mm -hmm. to the current interest rate market, um, what could investors reasonably expect around the direction of interest rates? What triggers could cause rates to move in said direction? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think this is kind of the, the topic of the day, just given with what, given the move we've seen in rates thus far. Um, so I think, you know, at a high level, the bond market is pricing in a stronger economic recovery or, you know, maybe a quicker return to normal than it had been in the past. Um, like we said, you know, prior, the vaccine was an obvious catalyst and an easy one to point to, but, you know, rates had started to stabilize and, and improve kind of in that time frame. Um, you know, I think it's important to note that this move in rates seems, I guess, very quick or steep, um, but it is very consistent with the move that rates typically have coming out of a recession. Rates are typically going to rise as we come out of a recession. So I think conceptually, you know, this makes a lot of sense. I think it's important to, to touch on the second piece, which is inflation. Obviously, that's, that's also very topical right now. Um, but stronger economic growth often begets inflation. And so I think that is also having an upward pressure on rising rates. Um, you know, uh, the question of the day is, I guess, how, how sustainable is inflation or is it just a kind of a temporary um, factor as we kind of come out of COVID? Um, I mean, I th think the recipe is obviously there for a rise in inflation in 2021. I think uh, just given kind of the pent up demand that we've seen the strength of the consumer and having that capacity to spend when they are able. Um, and then just kind of lapping some of the deflationary pressures of COVID from 2020, there is a recipe for inflation to increase in 2021. You know, I think it's, it's tough to predict how structural or, you know, how long that is going to last. But, um, you know, I think that that is expected to be seen this year and, and has had a big, you know, impact on the rise we've seen thus far in rates. When, when you're talking about rates, you know, a lot of times you, as, as rates or there's chatter about rates going up, you usually see the equity markets react in a negative manner. Uh, mm -hmm. Most recently over the last few weeks, we've seen a lot of that happen. Can you explain to investors the, the effect of an increasing rate environment on the equities? Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think it's important to kind of disaggregate the rates a little bit. We, we've talked through the yields, um, just the absolute yield level, as you mentioned, the 10 year, you know, kind of around, around 150 basis points, 1.5%. I mean, I think in the context of history, that's still a very low rate environment. I think we're kind of forgetting that at this point, but, um, you know, we're still below the, the pre COVID levels. I think, you know, last January, the 10 year was around 2%. So, 
you know, it has increased a lot, but still a very low rate environment. And I would say generally, you know, pretty accommodative for asset prices at this point. Um, you know, I think the second piece of that, of that discussion is around the pace, how quickly have rates risen. And I think that is more of what is spooking the equity market at this point. Um, we know it's been a very, you know, rapid rise over the past, call it month or so. Um, you know, for reference, we came into the year and the 10 year was, was about 90 basis points. So going from 90 to 1.5%, you know, over a few short weeks, that that's very quick. I think as equity investors look out, they're trying to understand what the next couple months look like in this pace, you know, can this continue? Is it sustainable? That that's what is, is more concerning. Um, you know, to your point, we have, we have experienced pressure to the equity markets or at least increased volatility um, from rising rates. And I think we've seen pressure, especially in, you know, high growth or high valuation type areas of the market. Technology is one that, that everyone likes to point to. Um, and we've also seen a lot of pressure to other kind of rate sensitive areas or, you know, interest rate proxies. People had been looking for yield in sectors like utilities or real estate or staples, you know, as, as a proxy for fixed income, given the low yield. So we've seen a lot of pressure there. Um, I think, I think there's no magic yield level that that's going to kind of curb the curb, the run in equities. I think every cycle is different. Um, and I do think it's important to note that yields can rise and equity markets can rise at the same time. I think the, the next piece of the, of the discussion is around what does the Fed do with the rising yields? And I think that that's why, why everyone is so keenly focused on, on the Fed decisions and also kind of the Fed discussions and what their wording says, because a lot of times that's what's going what's gonna, to you know, end, end a run in equities is when the Fed decides they need to step in and to curb off you know, rising inflation. I think at this point, we're, we take the Fed for their word and they've said you know, they have no, no desire to raise rates anytime soon and, and are intend to remain very accommodative. You know, they have their mandates out there. And, and at this point, they think inflation is likely a transitory factor. And, you know, I think the employment um, dynamic is still well below where they want it in terms of, you know, optimal employment for the economy. So at this point, you know, we're, we're going with what they say. Um, but that, that's kind of how, how we think about the balance between what's going on in the fixed income markets and how it, how it could impact equities. You know, I think lastly, we, we look for clues, I guess, in other areas of the market um, to give us confidence of where we're at, um, you know, things like credit spreads and, and making sure those are still intact. And we haven't seen nearly as much volatility there as we have in the treasury markets. I think that's, you know, a positive when thinking about where we are in the cycle and what that means for equities. Great. Well, thanks. Thanks for the economic update. <laughs> I would say you're off the economic hot seat at this point. Great. <laughs> uh, Let's shift over to the SAM group. And if you don't mind, explain to investors um, who the SAM group is and, and what they provide to investors. Sure, happy to. Um, so yeah, as mentioned, SAM stands for Specialized Asset Management. And we, we are a team within Baird's Asset Management Group. We are the niche that works exclusively with Baird's high net worth clients. So we partner with Baird Financial Advisors to come up with an investment plan and eventually an investment portfolio that is tailored for a client's specific needs. Um, 
I think some of the most important attributes that we can bring to a portfolio management or, or our philosophy are number one, first and foremost, is a focus on owning very high quality investments. Um, and number two is, is a keen awareness and, and focus on achieving good downside protection. Um, you know, these are, these are kind of tenants that are the backbone of the SAM philosophy and, and things we find really important. Um, you know, I think thirdly, it's important to mention that, you know, tax efficiency is something that we're also focused on given we understand how important that is to high net worth clients. Um, you know, I can elaborate a little bit on how we try to achieve this with our portfolios, but, um, you know, one of our key beliefs is that it is important to own individual equities at the core of an investment portfolio. So all of our investment portfolios, the large cap allocation is made up of individual equities. So you can think of that as call it 50, very high quality, large cap companies. Um, you know, we focus on buying companies with, you know, good management team, a good track record of capital execution, high returns, um, you know, a solid growth outlook. We want companies, you know, that, that are growing or have durable type tailwinds. Um, and and we, we feel very strongly about owning equities because we think it's important when clients look in their portfolio and they're able to see 50 company names that they know what they are and can identify, they're able to stick with their investment plan during volatile times. We think it's a lot easier if, if you understand what you own in your portfolio you know, you're going to stick with the plan um, versus, you know, if you own all mutual funds or ETFs, it can be a little more challenging to understand what's going on in the underlying portfolio. Um, you know, lastly is, is our belief in, in asset allocation. We're going to build multi-asset class portfolios. So we're going to use this, this core of high quality companies and surround it with other asset classes to provide diversification and hopefully volatility mitigation. Um, so we, we have exposure to small and mid-cap equities. We like that size diversification. Um, you know, we have an allocation to international and then obviously fixed income being an important piece of the portfolio for many clients, you know, as that, as that um, you know, piece of the portfolio that should not lose money in very volatile times and being focused on high quality investment grade, you know, bonds and mutual funds there, um, you know, adds, adds a, a really important piece to clients' portfolios. Um, so that that's kind of how we how we approach investing and you know working working very closely with financial advisor teams to understand client specific needs and being able to customize our portfolios you know to achieve those results. Great, I think we covered this a little earlier on, but if you don't mind to elaborate a little bit more regarding the SAM portfolios in general, <clears throat> where does your team see value opportunities, whether it be in the U.S. or globally? And has the SAM group made any allocation shifts recently? You know, not, not specific companies, but from a, mm -hmm. from a overarching allocation standpoint. Yeah, um, I, think, I think the one I mentioned was, was increasing our allocation or introducing an allocation to emerging markets. Um, you know, we have a portion of our portfolio that we call kind of our specialty sleeve. And we like to fill that with, with assets that are less correlated to domestic equity markets. So um, we've owned things like gold, emerging markets, um, you know, potentially real estate, things that are gonna really have, have lower correlations and improve that diversification benefit. So we, we added emerging markets early in the year. Um, you know, a big piece of the thesis was obviously being early in the next economic expansion. And we think the emerging markets are gonna be 
well positioned to take advantage of that, especially from, you know, kind of a, a manufacturing and export, you know, piece of their business, which we know is huge in emerging markets. And then also kind of the commodity piece, we know that's very well represented in emerging markets. Um, so we felt like that was kind of a timely, timely setup for us to get a little more beta in that piece of the portfolio, given where we are in the economic cycle. Um, you know, I think thinking about companies and where, where we're doing work, um, you know, I think we're, we're always looking for high quality businesses to introduce into our core portfolio. Um, you know, like I said, we, we flexed a little heavier, maybe into the cyclical areas of the market over the past six months. But I think um, as we've seen some of these great high growth or, you know, maybe secular growth type companies pause, I think, I think we're trying to reevaluate, um, you know, whether it makes sense to le lean even heavier in that cyclical trade, or maybe take advantage of some of these great stocks that have kind of paused for the past six to eight months and, and not done a lot. So um, I would say that that's kind of where we're doing work across, you know, our broader portfolio, and then also, you know, the core of our companies. Outstanding. Well, once again, Maggie, thank you for, for spending a few minutes this morning with us. Um, I know our clients and our investors greatly appreciate your insight. Uh, at this point, I'm going to kick it back over to Andrew to close us out. Thanks, Josh. And thanks, Maggie. Appreciate that conversation and, and that information. Um, Maggie, obviously, we're big fans of the SAM group and, you know, the work that you all provide uh, for clients. So um, if somebody's interested in learning more about the SAM group or, or keeping up with what you all are um, looking at or, you know, maybe LinkedIn, what are, what are a couple of resources that somebody can turn to to learn more about the SAM group? Yeah, definitely. We, we try to provide, you know, timely, I guess, communication, um, you know, both to the advisors that we work with, and then they can, you know, forward it on to their own clients. But yeah, um, you can look any, of, look any of us up on LinkedIn. We try to post things there. I would say otherwise reach out, you know, to your financial advisor, um, you know, or team member of the JPR group, and, and they can, you know, definitely forward you, I guess, our information. Um, you know, we, we like to forward directly to the advisor because they know which clients are going to appreciate which information best. But um, we do try to put out, obviously, quarterly timely pieces and then intra-quarter kind of market updates um, along with our trade rationale. So, um, yeah, your advisor would definitely be able to, you know, kind of get you uh, dialed in with that. Okay, great. Thank you. So we have just a couple quick updates from our team, uh, too. The first one is that uh, recently, we released a podcast uh, hosted by Jacqueline Rowe, uh, where she interviewed uh, Kathy Moulton, who is the Director of Travel Services for Baird. So um, if you have an upcoming trip uh, and want to know more about uh, some things going on in, in the travel industry as it relates to COVID, uh, that's a great piece that I'd encourage you to listen to. And we also are going to be launching a new website for our team here in the next couple of weeks, weeks with some updated enhancements and a much uh, better user uh, friendly experience. So we're excited for that to be launching soon. So um, with that, that's the March Advisor Roundtable. Uh, again, we thank you for your time and we hope to see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. You may visit our website at thejprgroup.com for more information about our team or like us on Facebook. If you'd like to speak to a financial advisor on our team, please contact our office at 270-467-9664. We hope to hear from you soon. 
This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable sources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc., a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC.